0: Welcome to the Pint Glass Football Podcast. This is Pint Glass Football, drink beer, talk football. If you're new to the show, be sure to follow, subscribe, and please rate and review the podcast. It really means a lot to us. And if you could follow on social media, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at PGF Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Fowler, and McKenzie Brewing is the official beer of Pint Glass Football. Follow them at McKenzie Brewing and McKenzieBrewing.com to check out their lineup of award-winning craft beers. We've got a great show today, PGF Nation. We're going to start by weighing in on the John Gruden resignation from the Raiders that everyone is talking about. We're going to give our two cents. We're going to talk about the college football games from last week. There were some big games and some big games in week five of the NFL that we're going to get to. Give you my updated PGF Power Rankings of the top 10 teams in the NFL right now. I'm going to let Ty tell me where I'm right or wrong. And of course, we'll end the show with our Pick 6 segment, where we'll pick our six best bets of the week ahead. Excited to be joined by radio and podcast legend, my co-host, Tyrone Powell. What is up, Ty?
1: Nothing much. We got another week of sports to get to, or better yet. The week that was in a football situation and boy, it can't get any better here with pint glass football.
0: Man, I'll tell you, Ty, I really can't. And I want to take a quick second to just tell all PGF Nation out there, I see all the love and support we've had, all the reviews and responses, the comments, the likes, the shares. It really means the world to us, guys. We do this for you, and we see it out there every day, and we appreciate every single one of you. So thanks for tuning in again for another episode. Let's get this thing started, Ty. We're going to touch on this big NFL news story. Everyone knows about it, but we wanted to weigh in on it. This John Gruden story is disturbing, Ty. He resigns as the Raiders head coach in his fourth season of a 10-year contract that was worth $100 million after reports surfaced from the New York Times that he wrote multiple emails using racist, misogynistic, and anti-gay language This report, like I said, Ty, it's disturbing, and it's a black eye for the NFL right now. They had no choice but to get rid of them, and I'm glad they did because the league right now, Ty, is trying to address the national conversation about race and social justice using slogans, end racism, and it takes all of us on helmets, shirts, in the end zones, as well as TV ad campaigns. What
1: are your thoughts on this? How did you feel when this story broke? It's upsetting because he just signed one of the biggest, or let me get this correct, he signed the biggest coaching deal we've ever seen of receiving a $100 million contract as a coach. And I feel that there were other coaches out there that probably deserve better or have a better resume than what he presents, but he has that charisma, that characteristic that sells, and people bought into it, let alone going to an organization that definitely needed a new face. This happened years ago, but the one thing that's puzzling to me is They're going to have to, like, really break this down piece by piece outside of John Gruden. There's more than just him that meets the eye or the people that he was sending these messages to because they had to bounce this conversation off of him for them to be comfortable about it. So I'm not really caught up in a situation on where John Gruden's resignation comes from or things of that nature. They have to try to cancel as much of this culture as possible. Now, I get it. People have their thoughts, views, and opinions about other people. You can't change people's minds in a day about these scenarios Um, But to come to a place where they're changing a lot of this culture, so many people have fought through so many difficult situations, bigger than what he's addressing. This is just a spout of, I want to say, hatred more than likely. This isn't something that you could preach in football as they move forward. And I know people may get mad at the way that I'm addressing this, but there's so many different avenues I could go down. This is a coach that basically they told it's best for you to resign right now because there's more that they have. And they just lift up one layer on John Gruden.
0: You're right, Ty. About everything you just said is absolutely spot on. When you look at Gruden, because you touched on him as a coach, and he was 22 and 31 with the Raiders since his return. So it's not like he was a great coach in the first place. There were certainly better candidates out there than John Gruden, a guy that hadn't coached in the league in 10 years they got off to a good start this year, but the wheels have come off after this story breaks. And it's not that surprising. Who would want to play for this guy? I'm sure it had to fracture that locker room and create all kinds of turmoil for this organization. I feel bad for the fans of Raider Nation. I feel bad for the team. I feel bad for the players in the organization as a whole. Just a really ugly and disgraceful thing to come to light about John Gruden. There's just no place for it, Ty. There's no place... In 2021, for someone like John Gruden, good rinse to John Gruden and time to move on. And likewise for us, it's time to move on to some brighter topics here. And I want to start with this Monday night football game between the Ravens and Colts, an overtime thriller. If you went to bed early, you missed out on one of the best comebacks we've seen on Monday night in a really long time. The Ravens come back from 19 points down and win with a five-yard touchdown pass in overtime. They were down 17-0 at one point, 22-3, and with just over three minutes to go in the third quarter, this was an incredible comeback. Lamar Jackson Put this team on his back, pulled out the Superman cape, and was unbelievable late in this game. Ty, what are your thoughts on this game?
1: I'm, I'm first. I'm going to say this: uh, the Indianapolis Colts are tougher than the, the record that they're being presented with right now, being one and four. They played ball like they should have been all season long. This Colt team was a team that went to the playoffs last year and don't have the turnaround that they have this season. They basically caught this Ravens team by surprise. But I must say this. One is the tight end in Mark Andrews, who finally had his breakout game all season long. I've been waiting for this. And then looking at uh, Hollywood Brown, Hollywood Brown having a 100-yard receiving day two. So this is actually a tandem where these two finally broke the ice on the, the passing game, if you will, for the Baltimore Ravens. But we can't look any further than one of the former MVPs and the guy that's been putting up double-digit wins since he came out of Louisville and winning a Heisman at that in Lamar Jackson. For every bit of adversity that this guy has faced, he still has this team above water 4-1 in the season right now. They lost that first game up against the Raiders in overtime. If they, if he didn't fumble in that overtime, they probably would have won that game because Derek Carter threw a pick in the end zone. They probably would have drove because the way that he was moving the ball uh, late in that game, they, they'd probably be undefeated. And it makes this more of a big carousel of a lot of teams that we'll probably get to talk about later on. But Lamar Jackson is definitely in that discussion for those three letters, and I can't wait to discuss it further. But for him to actually survive the storm, Carson Wentz was coming out tooth and nail to make this an even fight. This, this was epic type of football, and it made good for a well-deserved Monday night mayhem football game that we all deserve as football fans.
0: Man, did they ever, tie! This was an unbelievable comeback. I almost flipped the channel at one point when the Colts took that big lead. I was about to give up on this game, and I thought, nah, football, Monday night, I'll, I'll stay tuned into this one. And I am so glad I did, because you hit on it, Ty. The Colts really bottled up the running attack by the Ravens, and the Ravens' defense really struggled in this game. They really had a hard time getting the Colts off the field on third down. You hit on it. Carson Wentz was really good in this game. I thought he played his best game. Of the season in this one, and basically had a huge lead on the Ravens. This thing looked like it was over, but I cannot give enough credit to Lamar Jackson. He was absolutely incredible. He had a career game on the brightest stage Monday Night Football with 442 yards passing, four touchdowns, zero interceptions. He was absolutely incredible. This was a huge win for them and a huge loss for the Colts that were trying to get this season turned around. It looks like it's going to be a lost year for them, unfortunately. But absolutely amazing what we saw. That final drive was clutch. Going down the field on the final drive in overtime to put it on ice. I was blown away with what I saw from Lamar Jackson. He was incredible, and the narrative has got to change as far as him and his passing ability. I'll be the first one to say I thought that was something he needed to improve on, but he's done that. He's gotten better every season in the NFL. He's become a better and more accurate passer. The only knock I have on Lamar Jackson this season is the turnovers. He had two fumbles in this game. He needs to do a little better job taking care of the football in that regard, but I don't want to take any shine off of this guy right now because he's been absolutely incredible. He is carrying this Baltimore Ravens team that is banged up at a ton of different positions. I can't say enough about what I saw from him. He was absolutely electric and clutch when it mattered the most for the Ravens. Fantastic Monday night football game. I want to jump back to another game here, Ty, that we saw on Sunday. This was a shootout for the ages, the LA Chargers and the Cleveland Browns. Over a thousand yards of total offense in this game. What are your initial thoughts on this one? There's a lot that we could talk about in this game, but I want to get your thoughts on this one.
1: And this is something that I think Brad's been hitting on is when do we see the consistency from Baker Mayfield? And this is a game where he actually tried to show up his best up against a team that's actually slowly taking the NFL by storm. So I can't undersell what the Browns and the, the Chargers are doing at this point in time, but man, for a young talent and Justin Herbert to be trying to take over the AFC West and people, hold on to your hats. The Chargers are the best team in the AFC West. And looking at how this game went down, it was 47 to 42, a total of 89 points total in this game. And just like he said, over a, a thousand yards of complete offense. This is a phenomenal game. But like I said, Baker put up two touchdowns, 305 yards passing. But looking at the other side of the ball, Eckler had two touchdowns in the running game 66 yards, 17 carries. I, I think it's a little under five, well, under five yards a carry, but at least he's getting the job done. Williams being a receiver with eight catches, 165 yards, and two touchdowns, that's a big day. But just looking at what Justin Herbert was able to put, put together, 398 yards passing, four touchdowns thrown. This guy is phenomenal, and he's catching a lot of people by storm, in which a lot of people are saying he may be the favorite. This guy is an awesome talent, especially to go tooth and nail with a guy that's trying to prove himself and keep the Browns afloat in Baker Mayfield. He outgunned him 47-42 to in his matchup and, and moving the Chargers to a 4-1 and start on the season.
0: Yeah, this game was absolutely crazy, and you're right. Justin Herbert was unbelievable, almost 400 yards like you talked about. He's been so good. He's taking care of the football. He's making all the big-time throws against big-time teams. I've been so impressed with him. But you touched on Baker Mayfield, and I've got to go there, Ty, because on 3rd and 10 in a close game, when you need a first down to potentially put this game away, the Cleveland Browns decide to run the football. And you give it back to the Chargers, who have lit you up the entire game. I was absolutely baffled by that decision from Kevin Stefanski in this offense. This, to me, Ty, it tells me everything you need to know about Baker Mayfield. Would the Bills do that on 3rd and 10? Would the Cardinals do that? Would the Chargers, the Chiefs, the Bucks, the Packers? I don't think the Broncos would even do that with Teddy Bridgewater. I'm not sure they'd do that in Carolina with Sam Darnold with 3rd and 10. How little trust do you have in Baker Mayfield to make a big time throw on a big down? To me, it says they have no trust in this guy at all. If the Browns coaching staff doesn't believe in him, then why should
1: I believe in him? Ty? They are injured right now. <laughs> they don't have their full staff to go out there. Jarvis Landry's out. They're coming back with the guy that just got off an injury and in Odell Beckham. Again, this guy has been able to put together a good season last year. They are above five hundred. They are in the AFC North, where they are still in contention. I think Baker Mayfield still—it's five games that are that have been played. He's three and two. I feel like within the next twelve that they have left, he can go. Let's just say seven and five. He still puts together a ten-win season. Just to be fair, if he if he does less than that, then it's what six and six. I mean, he's still at a a five hundred season. If he does better than that, they're in the playoffs. If they're eleven and six, I think that's hard to knock them off. And I don't want to just say, oh, just go at 11 and six, which could present itself, but get this guy time. He's still, don't forget him. Baker's still young. When these people have to act like he's, uh, he's 32, 33. He's been through a lot. He's still in his twenties. He's still young. On the Cleveland Browns. This is the Browns that he's trying to turn around. This this takes time. Like, don't forget he was a high pick in the draft. So, of course, he's coming to a team that they are slowly turning this around.
0: Well, I've got to push back a little bit, Ty, because he came into the league in that same draft class with Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen. And we look at those guys, and they are clearly head and shoulders above Baker Mayfield when Mayfield was the number one overall pick. So I don't think it's a great look when you put it that way. Now, is he a terrible quarterback? No, he's not terrible. But he's showing me week in and week out that he is very average. And when you've got the best roster out of those two other quarterbacks I just mentioned, he clearly has the best roster out of those three. And for him to still not be able to come up with a big-time throw when it matters, we just saw Lamar Jackson with injuries all around him, no backfield. His rookie wide receiver is hurt, and he makes huge plays and carries his team to a come-behind win. I just don't see that ability from Baker Mayfield. I think he's the weak link on this team. I think he's a game manager. It also reared its head in the final drive here, Ty. They're in prevent defense, the Chargers, that is. Baker picks up 21 yards in a minute and 26 with three checkdowns in a row with zero timeouts and gives them virtually no chance to win this game. If you're a good quarterback, if you're one of the top 10 quarterbacks in this league, you're going to make more plays than that. It just shows you that he's not a big-time quarterback. Don't think he's the guy that can take you to the next level, especially with the best offensive line in the league in front of you, playmakers, the most loaded backfield, maybe outside of Dallas in the entire league, and he still is able to get it done. I just I don't believe in this guy. I haven't for a long time, and he, he just has not shown me enough. He's basically Kirk Cousins. When everything around him is great, he can win. But when it's not, He's not good enough to carry his team. And I want to jump to this Kansas City game versus the Bills. This was a huge, huge statement win for the Buffalo Bills. I really like what they're building here, Ty. This team is really starting to show me something. This might be one of the deepest rosters. The front seven is incredibly deep. They rotate so many guys, and they've got so many guys that can put pressure on the quarterback. Josh Allen, once again, is playing at an extremely high level. And this Kansas City Chiefs team, is really starting to struggle here, Ty. I I know they've got a ton of talent on the offensive side of the ball, but this defense is alarmingly bad and the Bills exposed them in this matchup.
1: Uh, It's interesting how the Bills came out and played ball up against the Chiefs and they did this in our head and I didn't think the Chiefs would actually lose in this manner and they basically puzzled Patrick Mahomes Jr. And I, I feel like the question should be around Patrick Mahomes Jr. A lot of people are actually worried about how he moves from this point forward, including some NFL coaches that think that there's some co- uh there's some quarterbacks excuse me that are playing better football within his division, being Herbert. We'll look at the Buffalo Bills and how they came out and played good ball, basically put up a 40-point game in Arrowhead. While the elements were an issue, it was raining like crazy ever since halftime on, Josh Allen had 315 yards passing, Three touchdowns thrown. He also had a touchdown that he got into the house with 11 carries for 59 yards. He's averaging over five yards a clip as well. And Dawson Knox is actually terrorizing them with three catches, 117 yards, and a touchdown. One big play that he had uh, where Sorensen, I don't know what Sorensen was thinking, basically got caught on an out-and-up route and kept his eyes in the backfield. didn't think nothing was going on behind him, and he was completely burnt like Sunday toast, and everybody went to the bathroom. That was a bad scenario for the Chiefs. But we have to also look at the Chiefs' defensive side of the ball, how they couldn't stop anything. Josh Allen was able to complete pass after pass, especially when it was money time, second and third down. He was able to get the completions. And probably the play of the game was a third down play where Josh Allen scrambles left, and there's a defender there to try to make the tackle. And he hurdles this guy to get to the first down marker. Excellent football by this guy. Josh Allen is growing in front of our eyes
0: playing at such a high level and when you look at the Chiefs tie Kansas City went from the best team in the AFC to not even the best team in their division we talked about it the Chargers have pushed towards the top of this division and when you look at the Raiders after that 3-0 and start, they've kind of had the wheels come off here. We talked about the head coach situation and all the turmoil that they're going through. I wouldn't be surprised if they really fall apart here in the next couple of weeks. And that 3-0 and start for the Broncos looks like it might have been a little bit of a mirage as well. So when you look at this division, Kansas City is starting to fall behind here. And they're going to have to really figure something out. I don't know how you fix this defense. And I'm not sure as good as Mahomes is. We know he's great. We know this offense is special, but I'm not sure Mahomes can overcome this horrific defense. They can't stop a nosebleed. It's been painful to watch. I mean, they are getting shredded. They're out of position. Why is Chris Jones playing defensive end? I I don't understand it, Ty. He's a defensive tackle. They gave up a first-round pick for Frank Clark, and he's totally MIA. Where he's been since this season started. I'm not sure Kansas City is going to be able to stop teams like the Chargers, the Browns, or the Bills in the AFC. This is starting to look a little scary for Chiefs fans.
1: The only thing that doesn't bother me about the Chiefs is is that they got an offense that can strike back at you. If they keep that mentality and hope the defense could get them some stops, then I guess this is the way that they're planning on working on it. But we've seen this situation two Super Bowls ago when they won one up against the San Francisco 49ers, in which they could not stop the run. And when uh, Jimmy Garoppolo went to start passing the ball, even Honey Badger himself, Tyron Matthews, said, thank goodness that they started passing the ball. It helped us because the running game was killing them. They were already having their issues then. They went to a Super Bowl up against Tom Brady. And, of course, I know that they were injured up front with their offensive line, but then you have to think about this. They're going to get worse as time gets on because they're getting older. So they have to refuel, retool as best as they can. In the past two weeks, the Chiefs have given up. 68 points, 30 to Philly, 38 to the Bills. This is progressive, progressively getting worse defensively while Spagnolo and company are over there watching this happen. I don't know how they fix this over a week's time, but they have to get it done, re- recharge the situation, and get ready for a team that they should be able to beat. But I know how things work, especially in that valley in the middle of Nevada.
0: Yeah, Ty, and I'm not sure it's something you can fix in season. I just don't think they have the personnel on that side of the ball. And like I said, the Chris Jones playing out of position, maybe that's something they can fix. Maybe they can make some schematic adjustments, but... I just don't think they have the horses on that side of the ball. Outside of Tyron Matthew and Chris Jones, there, there really isn't any special players. I like what I've seen from the rookie Nick Bolton out of Missouri, the linebacker. He's been pretty good, but there's just way too many holes on this defense, and they're going to have to get it going here. If the Kansas City Chiefs have any chance of really bouncing back and becoming a contender again, you're totally right. The offense is special. They're a fireworks show, and they can put up big points against anybody, but it looks like with this defense, they're going to have to be special special if they're going to stay competitive a team that's been really competitive Ty that I wanted to touch on here briefly is the Dallas Cowboys and I got to give you more props here I think you were ahead of the curve on the Dallas Cowboys because I'm starting to become a believer I think they're a legit threat Ty in the NFL the offensive side of the ball can beat you on the ground or in a shootout they really are a balanced football team Dak is playing at such a high level now they beat the Giants. That's not a great win, especially versus a team that is so banged up. They had so many starters. They lost Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley and Kenny Galday in this, in this game as well. So it's not like it was an overly impressive win. But just overall, what you see from this team, the balance and the defense really starting to play at a high level, the Cowboys look like a threat here, Ty. And coming into the year, I thought they'd be good. I didn't think they'd be this good. I'm starting to buy in for the Dallas Cowboys?
1: Well, you just sit tight and listen to pint glass football. And this is with Brad and Tyrone. And we're going to give you everything that you need to hear on a week by week basis. Uh, the one thing about the Dallas Cowboys that's actually been doing well for them. is Trayvon Diggs. He's been actually playing aggressive football on the defensive side of the ball. He leads the league in interceptions. He's been shutting down a lot of these receivers that have been going up against them. And who does he practice against? He practices up against his big brother, Stephon Diggs. So he probably could read or, you know, resist a lot of these routes that he's seen with his brother on a year-by-year basis. So this is good that he's been able to practice with an all-pro receiver himself. And then just looking at what's happening on the offensive side of the ball, somebody's playing football. I think somebody's been hearing what we've been talking about in pint glass football. Ezekiel Elliott, 21 carries, 110 yards, and a touchdown. Somebody must have been feeling threatened. And also with C.D. Lamb finally coming to work, four catches, 84 yards and a touchdown and Dak is doing this with, I I guess we can look at it, with no real threat toward him, 302 yards passing, three touchdowns. He threw a pick in his game also, but being effective at home in the comfort of his own backyard, and the Giants basically posed no threat because they won by three possessions. So I think that they're comfortable with what they got going on right now. I'll see when they have this true test going up against New England, but we have to see what Mac Jones presents, and it's also potential rain out here. So I want to see if they can actually play with the elements outside with the Patriots.
0: Yeah, they haven't beaten the Patriots on the road in a very, very long time, but I wanted to touch on something you said there. Diggs, this defense, Micah Parsons, a lot of these young guys, and hats off to Dan Quinn, the new defensive coordinator for the Cowboys this season. He has completely reshaped this team on that side of the ball. They are really flying around and making turnovers. They're making big plays. They're starting to look like a complete football team. You're right about Zeke. Man, man. I've got to pump the brakes on what I said about this guy because I was not thinking he was going to bounce back. I was starting to think that we were seeing the start of the end for Zekiel Elliott, but that could not be further from the truth. He has really bounced back. He hadn't looked good coming into this year. He really hadn't looked good for about 15 games going back to last season. He had been really pedestrian. I don't know if you're right. If it's Tony Pollard, the offensive line getting healthier, A combination of things, I'm not really sure, but he is certainly playing like a man on a mission to prove some people wrong, and I am one of them. So hats off to them. They've been really an outstanding storyline this year, and I know the Cowboys faithful are excited about the start for them. All right, Ty. So, incredible week of NFL football. We're going to give out a game ball for who we think was the best player, the best coach, maybe the best unit on Sunday's slate of games. Who gets your game ball, Ty, for week five in the NFL?
1: It'd be easy for me to go with where Brad just went to start the segment off with Lamar Jackson, but I'm going to go with the king himself, the guy that I have been saying for the past two or three seasons is the best running back in the NFL. Derrick Henry puts up 29 carries. Eh? Light day. 130 yards. Light day. Three touchdowns. This guy's putting up numbers that quarterbacks are giving you fantasy-wise, and they just can't stop him. There's going to be a game that he probably will get stopped. He'll probably will give you a 60 or 70-yard game, but he's not done that yet. Like, like, He's still able to blow the doors off the hinges. If he gets second or third level, those corners, safeties, and linebackers have a business decision to deal with a guy that's bigger than them or the same size as them. And this is basically Jim Brown 2.0. I'm giving the game ball to Derrick Henry.
0: I absolutely love it, Ty. You're definitely spot on. He has been a beast, and he came up big for them with a big bounce-back win for the Titans, so I love that selection. I'm going to give out my game ball tie to Mr. Tom Brady. After a shaky start versus his old team, Brady bounced back in a big way and erased any questions about him slowing down with a 411-yard, five-touchdown, no-interception performance versus the Dolphins. He went 30 for 41 and had an almost perfect passer rating. He was Absolutely lights out and continues to show father time that he is not slowing down. Incredible game by him. Shift to the college football scene. The Red River rivalry was absolutely incredible this year, Ty. Oklahoma and Texas, one of the best rivalries in all of college football. And this one lived up to the hype. The Sooners were down 21-0 and never led until 7 minutes and 10 seconds left in this game. This one was absolutely electric. What are your thoughts on this game?
1: Pinegrass football, I apologize right now. I let you guys down in a game. I felt so passionate about seeing it happen. The matchup was there, and I felt like I, I ran my mouth too fast uh, in doing so, in which watching the way that this game started, I'm like, well, look at this. I nailed it on the head. I thought it would be a game where it was in which, like, this will come down to whoever has the ball last, and the final score happens like that, and it did have that potential. But there is no way that I'm accepting watching this team go up 28-7 to 7 And a freshman quarterback come in and saves Spencer Rattler's life. And the crazy part about that is he may end up potentially losing that job if this this freshman actually keeps this up. Uh, Spencer Rattler has not looked good since he came out this season. Um, Every game has been tight. Uh, He's throwing picks and he's rattled. Um, One of the picks that he threw, he read the route wrong, and you could see the camera view from behind his shoulder. One receiver was a go route. The other one was a curl. He went to the one that was a go and thought that was a, a a curl and he threw the pick right to the the Texas defender. And then all of a sudden they bring in the rookie and he basically worked the running game and got to the house and it turned momentum. And it's like, if Texas doesn't keep their foot on their throat, they're going to lose. They could not stop worthy at all. Worthy was burning them up top, had probably one of the best college football games from a receiver that I've seen this season. And this was happening prime time in a red river rivalry. And when they went back to him, it's kind of like, well, you should have kept your foot on the gas because it's late in the fourth. Now, So if you guys don't get the ball back, it's too little too late. So if you're a guy that loves offense and things of that nature, I get it. I I love it. I understand it. But to see this team lose in this facet and knowing that they have rivalry on the line, there's no pride there. The question that I do have is in front of Steve Sarkeesian. This is going to always potentially happen to you. If you don't have these guys rallied, ready for war on a game-by-game basis, I, I don't get it. Steve Sarkeesian, I am thoroughly unimpressed with what you did in this game. Texas has been playing good ball this season. They have to know that they have to win this game in the Big 12, and they did not show up with this type of game at all. You're going to have to hope for teams to lose to, for you to represent yourself in this scenario, but by no way do I accept this 55-48 to 48 massacre, and I continue to talk about you know how the Big 12 doesn't play defense. We watch a lot of these games go over 45. It's totally unacceptable. And, and Thompson had a good day, too, throwing five touchdowns in the same thing uh, with him having a, I think it was an injured finger. I don't want to say broken or jammed or anything, but he, you know, 388 yards in that situation. And like I said, Worthy had 261 yards receiving and two touchdowns, and he slowed up when they should have just kept pressing the issue up against this Oklahoma team who now presents themselves to be still in the top 10 when they should have clearly lost this game.
0: Yeah, it's amazing, Ty. Oklahoma just keeps skating by and keeps getting wins in all these close games. I was totally shocked too, Ty. I loved your pick on this game, taking Texas. I thought it was the right side. I still think it's the right side, and we saw that early in this game. Like I said, being up three touchdowns multiple times in this game, it looked like Texas had this thing all but one. Hats off to Lincoln Riley and the Oklahoma Sooners making the adjustments. All-American quarterback Spencer Rattler was benched. You alluded to this tie he was benching this game after two turnovers it looked like the right decision because true freshman Caleb Williams the five-star recruit from Washington went 15 for 24 with two touchdowns No picks, and he helped rally OU for the win. This was an incredible comeback by them. It was an incredible game to watch. But, yeah, I'm with you, Ty, as far as Rattler. He's been a huge disappointment this year. A lot of people were saying that he had number one pick potential in the NFL. I don't see it at all at this point. He still has a lot to work on, and he's going to have to do it from the bench because I think he lost his job after this performance from Caleb Williams. He's going to have a really hard time getting back on the field. Absolutely, Crushing loss for Texas and a huge come from behind win from Oklahoma in what was one of the best games in college football over the weekend. But the most shocking game, without a doubt, was Texas A and M knocking off number one Alabama. I thought for sure, Ty, that we were done mentioning Texas A and M on this podcast. I had pretty much buried them and left them for dead, but they pulled off the upset of the year. Maybe. The upset of the past 10 years, beating number one Alabama, I don't think anybody, myself included, saw this coming, Ty.
1: I, I don't think anybody could figure this was going to happen. I really think Alabama should have and could have won this game, especially the way that they fought back. But I would never think that I would be saying this about Alabama football. You can't settle for field goals. And that's the bad part about the situation with Bryce Young being a young quarterback going into a SEC matchup where Jimbo Fisher is on the other side of the line. Uh, other side of the field and uh trying to make this a tough scenario for a guy like Nick Saban. Um, they did the best that they can, got back into this game, took the lead by a touchdown. Alabama's defense, even when I seen the Hurricanes play them earlier this season, Miami wasn't making any threats downfield. And when they did, they had the opportunities. They started getting catches. They started forcing pass interferences. And this was a, a team where I feel like Miami was definitely the lesser of the teams to go at this. But you got a Texas A&M team that's ready for them. And they started making those threats downfield. And Alabama couldn't keep up in the passing game at all. They enforced the line of scrimmage, which I said, if you're running up against Alabama and think that you could just run, you have another thing coming. You have to move the ball. You have to make them play honest and beat them. And that's what Texas a and did in this game. But Alabama, I'm, I'm totally shocked myself. I can't lie. This was a, a impressive loss for you to be a number one team losing on the road up against an unranked.
0: Yeah, it it really was mind-blowing to see this game, Ty. And you're right, Alabama scored 21 straight points to take a 38-31 lead, and they had taken back all the momentum in this game, but the Aggies tied it up at 38 apiece with three minutes to go, you have to love the resiliency you saw from them, not folding in that situation. Aggies defense forced a punt and put together a game-winning drive with a 17-yard touchdown pass to Isaiah Spiller. I can't say enough about this, this upset. This was absolutely massive. This was a team that came into the year as one of the top 10 teams in the country. People had huge expectations for them. They were a college football playoff contender that most people thought in the preseason But Texas A&M had escaped a win over Colorado in Week 2. Then they lost two straight versus Arkansas and Mississippi State. They didn't have a good win on their resume, Tie going into this matchup with Alabama. This was absolutely shocking, but hats off to Jimbo Fisher and the Aggies. Uh, It's definitely one we'll remember for a long time, and by no means is Alabama done. I think that this is a team that still has every bit the potential to run the table the rest of the way and end up in that college football playoff. It wouldn't surprise me one bit, but a massive upset and a shocking one, to say the least, but that brings us tied to the halfway point here in college football. And I wanted to get your take. Which college football team do you think has been the most surprising so far?
1: I have to go with the Michigan State Spartans. These guys have been playing electrically across the board. They have a balanced attack, passing and running the ball. Their defense has been able to come up with some stops. They've been able to go into hostile environments and pull off wins. And they are undefeated. And they are in the Big Ten. And I feel like they can win the Big Ten Conference this year.
0: Ty, that is awesome because PGF Nation, we talk about what we're going to say. Like We we do a little bit of back and forth before we record the show, but we usually don't tell each other what our takes are as far as who we're going to take when we ask these type of questions. So I had no idea that Ty was going to take Michigan State because – to me, I agree with you completely, Ty. That was the team that I was going to say was the most surprising for me so far. This team was two and five last year, and they were blown out 27 to 0, 52 to 12. Forty-nine to seven, and lost by an average of over twenty-six points per game in the Big Ten last year. It was Mel Tucker's first season as the head coach, but now with some key transfers that he's brought in, he's really turned Sparty around, and he's done it in a hurry with this impressive six and zero start. No doubt they've been one of the most surprising teams in the college football. And you're right. They, they could definitely win this conference. And right now you can make a case that the Big Ten might be the deepest conference in college football. So that's really saying something. Hats off to Michigan State. They've been outstanding this year. Now let's flip it to the other side here, Ty. Which college football team do you think has been the most disappointing this year?
1: Uh, there's several. But the other one I'm going to go with is LSU. Uh, Louisiana State, uh, I think they should definitely be ranked with the talent that they have across the board. Uh, Orgeron did lose a ton of talent in that draft with Burrow, you know, Jefferson and company. But there's no way that they go from winning a national championship to being where they are right now, 500, saving the season on trying to at least win as many games as possible to face a, a decent-sized bowl if they can. But if not, I know a lot of people out there in the Louisiana region that I've been able to meet within this past calendar year They are telling me the rumblings in the state of Louisiana. Orgeron is gone at the end of this season. That is disappointing for a guy that just won a national championship two seasons ago.
0: (laughs) Oh, man, this is crazy, Ty, because that is exactly who I was going to pick as well. Come for the on. most disappointing team this year. It's got to be LSU. There's some other teams that you could put on this list. Clemson has certainly been disappointing. USC is another team that comes to mind, starting in the AP Top 15, a team that a lot of people thought would contend for the Pac-12, and they have completely come off the rails and already fired their coach two games into the season this year. So there's some other teams that certainly fit the bill, but I am with you, Ty. I have LSU is the biggest disappointment in college football so far. This team started the year ranked 16 in the AP and was clearly living off reputation and conference bias because this team is three and three. They don't look anything like a top 25 team. They can't run the ball. The defense is well below average and they still have Ole Miss, Florida, Alabama, Arkansas and Texas A&M on the schedule. It is going to get uglier before it gets better for the Tigers. And you're right. That seat is red hot on Ed Orgeron because he could become the next Gene Chiswick, a coach who takes his team to a national title and just a couple years later finds himself out of a job. All right, Ty. So we saw another incredible week in college football. Who gets your PGF helmet sticker in college football this week?
1: I am going to go with Kenneth Walker the third out of Michigan State. I'm going to stay right there in the mitten. This guy had a light day. Well, not too shabby. At 29 carries, So that's workhorse material. He had a touchdown, too. So I feel like that's feasible for a running back. He had 233 yards on the road in the middle of New Jersey up against, at that point, a 3-2 and two Rutgers team. And I feel like I know that they're a better team, but it was all on him to get the job done. I can't take too much away from Thorne, the game that he had, but for Kenneth Walker and for him to be one of the leaders. That's right. Leaders for the Heisman. I'm saying that right here and right now. He's leading the nation. Heisman voting right now out of Michigan State, Kenneth Walker III.
0: Yeah, he's been awesome. We just talked about Michigan State and how they are the biggest surprise of this college football season so far, and he's been a huge part of that and just a big-time player for them, so I love that helmet sticker going to him. I'm going to stick in the Big Ten tie and give out my helmet sticker to cornerback Matt Hankins from Iowa. This guy was lights out in coverage versus Penn State in a huge top five matchup. He had five tackles and an interception in this game, and he had a key stop on a fourth down late in the game to help seal it for Iowa. Matt Hankins, you get the helmet sticker from me, lights out game from him. But Ty, it's time to update the NFL PGF
1: Power Rankings.
0: I'm going to tell you guys who I've got as the top 10 teams in the NFL so far, and then I'm going to let Ty tell me where I'm right and where I'm wrong. It's always a lot of fun. There's been a lot of shakeup here, so let's get started here, Ty. At number 10, I've got the Tennessee Titans. They got back on track after a bad loss to the Jets. There's still holes on this defense. I'm not sure they're a great team. But I like what I saw from this, this last week, and I still think they're the favorites in the AFC South. At number nine, I've got the Cleveland Browns. This defense was supposed to be better, and it's just not good. I mean, they just aren't a good unit on that side of the ball. That was something that they had put a lot of draft capital into. They had signed some key free agents to bolster that side of the ball, and it really hasn't paid off. But they've got the number one rushing offense in the entire NFL. They've got a loaded roster, but they have blown two double-digit leads So far this year. That's why I can't quite put them up here in my elite elite group. But I do think they're a top 10 team at number eight. I've got the Green Bay Packers four and one, but a really good team doesn't squeak by the Cincinnati Bengals. I know the Bengals are better than they used to be, but this is a team in the Packers that have a negative point differential. So just like the Browns a minute ago, I can't put them ahead of some of these other teams right now. But they're winning, and they're 4-1, and, and they're on a roll right now, so they're definitely a dangerous team regardless. At number seven, I've got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. After two so-so games on the road, the offense came to life and lit it up, and they've got the number one pass offense in the entire NFL. They really need to get healthy on the defensive side of the ball. We've talked about that secondary and how banged up they are, but I still think we haven't seen the Bucs' best football yet and that could be scary for the rest of the NFL. At number six, I've got the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson, like we talked about earlier, is absolutely carrying this team right now, but the defense has some issues. We saw that again in this Colts matchup on Monday night. I'm not sure outside of Lamar Jackson who's really special on this team. They've got some nice pieces. They've got some good players, but He has been Superman for this team and put them on his shoulders. At number five, I've got the LA Chargers. Four and one, they look more legit each and every week. They have already shown that they can win versus some of the best teams in the NFL. They've had some huge wins. They probably should have knocked off the Cowboys in week two. If it wasn't for some very iffy officiating calls late in that game, they probably get that win and could be five and oh right now. But you have to be impressed with what they've been able to do. At number four, I've got the LA Rams. They bounced back and crushed Seattle. And after a loss, all four wins this year are versus playoff teams from last year. So they've been really impressive and they've done it against some good competition. So I've got the Rams at number four. At number three, I'm starting to buy in big time to the Dallas Cowboys. Blowing out a beat-up Giants team. Like I said, it's not the most impressive win, but the run game is there. They're dominant. Running the football with their two running backs, Dak and his wide receivers are explosive. This offense can put up numbers against any anybody, and the defense is now legit. We've talked about that side of the ball. This is starting to look like a very complete football team. At number two, I've got the Arizona Cardinals. They didn't look great versus the 49ers, but they won in a low-scoring fist fight, and I think that says a lot about this team, and it shows me that they can win in those type of games. It doesn't have to be a shootout, so I think that was actually a really good win, even though they didn't play their best football. The defense was a big part of it. The defense really showed up. I like the pass rush that I've seen from that side of the ball, and so the Cardinals are the only undefeated team and number two in my power rankings. And that leaves the number one team in the P.J. Power Rankings this week is the Buffalo Bills. We talked about them versus Kansas City. This was a statement win. They didn't just beat Kansas City. They destroyed the Kansas City Chiefs. And this feels like one of the most complete teams, if not the most complete team in the NFL right now. They can rush the passer. They've got explosive players on the outside. Josh Allen is electric. And this team is going to be really, tough to beat. So Ty, tell me what you like and didn't like about the PGF Power Rankings.
1: If you're picking on the Cleveland Browns and Baker Mayfield, I don't know if they should be number nine. I still feel like power-wise, I would give the Chiefs the leg up over them. I think you need to hold your horses on the Rams right now. The Rams did win that game up against Seattle, but don't forget, there was a guy that broke or or just just let's just say an injured finger. I don't want to say broke. It looked bad. It he couldn't bring the top hand, the top portion of his finger back. They had to put in Geno Smith. And they almost made this a game. But of course, Geno Smith, as usual, has a critical turnover and can't figure himself out. I wonder which way the Seahawks do go while Russell Wilson is out at this point in time. It's an unfortunate turnover, but that was a game that put pressure on Matt Stafford and, and uh they basically had a lot of tight times in this game including while Seattle's defense has been struggling all season long and in which they had a touchdown that Cooper Cup had. He was being covered by a linebacker, and the linebacker was clearly outmanned, outgunned, too, too much speed for him to handle. There's no way that I'm watching the Cardinals play this type of football and be second in the league, power ranking, and they're undefeated. Their defense is playing ball. Their offense is flying around. And why isn't Kyler Murray getting any credit? Why does he even get talks for MVP? What's going on right now? This guy's doing everything that he can to keep the Arizona Cardinals afloat in the NFC West in which they have a guy named Matthew Stafford that just came to the rims, and they're thinking that they are a Super Bowl contender, and he just outgunned Matt Stafford, and he's basically a game ahead of them? I'm, I'm not buying this anymore. They need to give the Cardinals their credit. Let's transfer this. Even though Buffalo has been playing great ball, they're on a four-game winning streak, somebody has five out of the gate. And it's the Cardinals. That has to be switched. Let him get his credit due. They're not giving Kyler Murray credit. They'd rather give it to Josh Allen. That's not right. They both are doing the same type of damage. One has lost a game to Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers, and one hasn't seen a loss yet.
0: Well, it's a fair point, Ty. It's certainly a fair point. I don't go completely off record. Some of this is just eye tests for sure. And I've definitely given Kyler Murray credit. I think he's having an MVP type of season. I think this offense is electric. We've talked about how great they've been. The defense has certainly made big strides. When it came down to those two teams, I knew they were going to be my top two teams in the power rankings. I had to go back and forth on who I was going to put number one. And it came down to one simple question that I asked myself. Who do I think would win if they played? And my gut told me Buffalo, so I went with the Bills. But this is all opinion, and I respect yours, and I love your take as well. It's always fun to talk about, and that's why we do it every week for you guys, PGF. But it's time for everybody's favorite segment. Pick six betting segment we're gonna make our picks for the six best bets of the weekend coming up and ty why don't you kick it off and tell us who you got this week for your first pick of the pick six
1: it hurts me to do this because i picked them last week and i'm gonna go against them this week i think the cowboys of oklahoma state win this game up against texas getting five and a half i think they went outright with the points
0: yeah, you know, that's not a terrible pick, Ty, because Texas, you know, that's a big letdown spot. That's an emotional game. It's a big rivalry game where we talked about they blew two big leads in that game and it could be really deflating and so this could be a spot where they come in and just feel deflated and not up for this game after spending all that emotional energy on that big rivalry game versus Oklahoma so I like that I like that pick tie. I think that's a good pick there to start this off I'm going to start in the NFL tie with the Washington football team getting seven points at home versus the kansas city chiefs and we talked about the chiefs on this podcast a couple times here this defense is absolutely terrible it's a real issue and washington they're not great they're not a great team but i think they're a good enough team that if you're going to give me seven points at home no less i think it's just too much value for me to ignore so give me washington football team getting a touchdown
1: okay and my second pick I am going to go with the Tennessee Volunteers at home up against Ole Miss, getting three points. I think the Vols are for real this year. This is a statement game. They have been winning a lot of games lately, and this is the game that they can make a difference. I'm going to go with Tennessee at home. Make Mississippi prove that they can knock off Tennessee, and I don't think they can.
0: Okay, I absolutely love that pick, Ty. That is a pick that I considered in the in the pick six this week. I was looking at that game closely. I think the over under is. 81 and a half last I checked, which is crazy. Vegas thinks this is going to be an absolute shootout. Both these offenses can put up big time points, but I think you're right. In a big time shootout game like this, give me the Tennessee Volunteers. I like what I've seen from them and I like that pick a lot, Ty. Like I said, I almost took them and I'm going to stick in the SEC here, Ty, and take the Florida Gators and I'm going to lay the 10 points. This offense leads the SEC in total yards they can really run the ball. I mean, this team is one of the best running teams in the nation, averaging 6.7 yards per carry, going up against LSU, a team that we talked about as being the biggest disappointment in college football, and they have one of the worst defenses in the country and have struggled to stop the run, and it's what the Gators do as well as anyone. I think this is a total mismatch on paper, and I think the Gators roll in this one versus LSU.
1: And in my last game, I'm going NFL again like normal. I'll give you two college and one pro. I'm going to go with the Minnesota Vikings to go to Charlotte to steal this game as they are basically a pick but they favor the Vikings by one point. I think the Vikings go on the road and continue to roll after their exciting win in Minnesota this past weekend.
0: Oh, man. PGF Nation, this is crazy right now because, like I said earlier, Ty and I – You know, we talk about the subjects that we're going to touch on in the podcast before we record, but we don't go into great detail because we like to leave some surprises for each other and keep it organic. And so I didn't I didn't know who Ty was going to pick here. I'm on the other side with this one, Ty. I've got Carolina Panthers plus one at home. I like the points you made. I think this is going to be a close game. Clearly Vegas does too. But I think this is a bounce back game for Carolina. After collapsing with a big lead last week, I really don't believe in Minnesota. I think their offense has done nothing these last three weeks. They've really struggled to put points on the board. And I think Carolina's defense can get after them, especially with that front seven. So give me the slight home dog, and I'll take the Carolina Panthers. PGF, you're going to have to pick sides on that one. But it's been an absolute blast, Tie. That's going to do it for the pick six. And if you guys enjoy the pick six betting segment, be sure to follow us on Twitter at PGF podcast and go to the website pintglassfootball.com where we post free college football and NFL picks every week by pintglass football betting analyst Leland Bettencourt. Lots of great free picks on there if you guys are into betting on football like we are. But that's going to do it for this episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it, PGF Nation, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to the Pint Glass Football Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow us on Twitter at PGF Podcast.